Hi, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Florida Spectacular. As always, it is I, it is me, Kathy Celestri, with he, Rick, Rick Kilby. How you doing, Rick? I'm great. Uh, perhaps not as good as you because you are in the Keys. I am not only in the Keys. As I pulled over from my road trip to tape this podcast, I pulled into the parking lot by the Big Pine Key Visitor Center, and there was a key deer staring at me like, hey, what you doing here? Um, so this is the perfect, perfect, perfect week for us to talk to our guest. I want to welcome Elizabeth Harriman Lasley, who is the host of the Florida Keys Traveler podcast. How you doing, Elizabeth? Oh, I am doing so well, especially now. It's a, such a pleasure to be with you guys. I'm a fan of your podcast. You always sound like you're having so much fun. And I'm just, uh, uh, feel privileged that you've invited me to be a part of it. And I'm envious that you got to see a key deer. That is so cool. He's still there or she. Oh, um, that's yeah, I got to see they're, one they're... when when we were taping our uh, infield recording on Summerland Key, and we were interviewing the man who's has a goal to plant a million corals in the next two years, uh, Doctor David Vaughn. But at his, you know, sort of uh, looks like a Doctor Strangelove laboratory there, and there was a key deer there, and that's the first and first and only one I've ever seen, and I feel so privileged. So you know, the mistake I made for years was I would go to uh, drive through Big Pine and I would want to see a key deer. And sometimes I would. They're easiest to see it at sunrise and twilight, which is also the times where they get hit by cars. So if you're listening to this and decide you're going to drive through, go very friggin' slow. Um, and uh, I would see them sometimes. And then I would go over to the marked wildlife refuge and I would see them sometimes. But it wasn't until I just started taking my car and wandering around the neighborhoods that I realized these things are... They're like pigeons in some cases. Now, of course, they're not. They're endangered, um, but they are very, very common. And I can imagine for some of the residents, it might not be this thing of joy to see them because at their hearts, they're deer. They're just German shepherd-sized deer. And uh, <laughs> you know. Anyway, um, so I'm, I, I have listened to your podcast. It seems like the last one I listened to, and I think I'm listening out of order, was the Hemingway House. And you talked Ooh. about you talked about the cats at the Hemingway house. And I'm so glad we have you on the podcast because you said something and I want to make sure I heard it correctly. Every single cat on the Hemingway property is descended from the original cats that were on the, the Navy ship. Is that, that what I heard? That is what our guide told us. Um, uh, yes, Dave Scott, he, he was our guide at the Hemingway house. And uh, he said that, um, yeah, I'm sorry, Scott Edwards. Scott Edwards was our guide there, and that's what he said. They're all descended. I believe the first uh, multi-toed cat was uh, Snow White, named after the movie. And I, I, they're all apparently descended from from her and her offspring. Uh, now, don't quote me on, I mean, I'm that, that, that's, that's what our guide said. <laughs> so I, I, I have no reason to believe it's not true. Wow, we are seeing we are seeing on the Zoom we live the- video of the key deer from Kathy's car. That's so cool! Oh my gosh, there there's two of them. I've oh. never seen them, so this is exciting. Super exciting for the people listening too. 
<laughs> I will I will make sure to put a picture in the show notes. So there we go. The episode picture will be a picture I have of some key deer. Um, so Elizabeth, I'm sorry, I got a little carried away with the key deer and the six-toed cats and, and all the things that are so different down here. But you are not taping this from the Florida Keys. How we, did you we, end up? Yeah, well, well, we did t- we did do a week of recording, a little more over a week of recording in the Florida Keys in February. I went down there with our brilliant uh, producer and uh, engineer and sound designer, a uh, brilliant young, uh, he's 30 years old, um, Jason Patton. And he, he, so I didn't have to worry about the recording. He did all of the, he had a, a he has this amazing uh, in-field recording equipment. So yeah, we we taped most of it uh, in field, you know, at, at at the Hemingway House, um, at the Tennessee Williams Museum, at the Dolphin Research Center. Oh my lord, uh, it was just amazing. And then we had to have done some pickup record. There were a few people who weren't around in the Keys when we were down there that we wanted to interview. So we've done a few pickup interviews remotely. Um, uh, um, what do they call them? Sort of, yeah. Well, remote interviews uh, that we've done after the fact, and then, and then in writing the scripts, I pieced together, you know, excerpts from all the different interviews to create the different sh- episodes. So, <clears throat> how did you um, happen to start or be a part of a podcast about the Florida Keys? Well, it's, as you know, the 200th anniversary of Monroe County, which encompasses the Florida Keys. So basically, it's the bicentennial of the Florida Keys. And Newman PR, which is the public relations company that does um, does public relations for the Florida Keys, Andy Newman called me and said, you know, the 200th anniversary is coming up. And, and he was always a fan of my and my late husband's work my my late husband Paul Lastly and I uh used to do uh, radio shows we did uh, talk radio shows in southern california and then occasionally did um highly produced radio shows like we did a uh special radio show about the 50th anniversary of d-day and he was always a fan of our work so he said you know this episode is coming up and my husband had just died in 2021 and I was trying to figure out uh, what to do with the rest of my life because we not only we were married for 37 years and we were also worked together for 37 years. And so it was like, it felt like, I don't, I don't know if you know, but Catlin Tom, um, Catlin, um, yeah, Thomas Dylan Thomas's wife wrote a book called Leftover Life to Live. And that's kind of the way I felt. And I, I didn't know what I was going to do with the rest of my life, but and he said, uh, well, this would be perfect. And, and, uh, so I felt like it was one, a way to honor Paul. And I feel that Paul's looking over my shoulder in, in every episode. Um, and anyway, and then so, um, yeah, so that's how I got involved. And then Armchair Productions, they do these wonderful, that's just a wonderful production company to work with. They're just, uh, they're just a joy to work with and they've won all kinds of, uh, you know, podcasting audio awards and everything. So it's just been a joy. It's just been a joy. It's, it's been, uh, it's, it's been the only thing really that sort of brought me out of my grief. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm sorry about your husband. That's, 
that's a tragedy. Sorry to lose somebody you've been with that long. Um, but it sounds like you had a wonderful time doing radio shows with them. What's oh, your, we, um, yes, we did. <laughs> what is your um, takeaway from the Florida Keys? Was this your first time visiting or how did that work out? No, I had been many times. So I knew, um, even though I'm not from the Keys, I knew how special the Keys are. And I, as you say in your book, and, and I, I got your back roads of paradise. And I, I, I think you said something like, uh, the Florida is not like any other state. And then the Florida Keys are like a whole other, you know, not like any other part of Florida. And that is so true. I, I have always felt in visiting the Keys that it's just once you, once you leave the mainland, it, it, you are in a whole other world. So I'd always loved the Keys and, and had to respect. And I kind of, you know, I've always sort of got the Keys because they're, they're just so different. And, People go there and they say, and, and during the interviews, we met several people who said, you know, I came for a weekend and I, now I'm here after 40 years. And um, they, it's like they discover themselves once they get to the Florida Keys. So I have learned a lot. Um, so, so, I mean, I felt I knew the Keys somewhat before I went. And they wanted, for this series of podcasts, they wanted the visitor perspective. They wanted somebody who, you know, wasn't from the Keys, but had a had an appreciation for the keys, but they wanted that, that visitor perspective, you know, that it's the, it's the Florida keys traveler, uh, idea, but I have learned so much. Uh, there are certain themes that have evolved as we did our interviews. Uh, one, I think one of the main things is just how everybody in the keys help each other. And I think that goes back from, you know, when the keys, when Monroe County was formed, there was, it was way before there, there was even the thought of a railroad and of course, no overseas highway. You got, you commuted, you got back and forth between the keys only by boat. And so as, as, um, mayor, uh, the mayor of, uh, Monroe County, uh, Craig Cates was on our first episode and he said that, you know, th that he feels that's part of people had to depend on each other. And I think that carries through to today. And then the other, another theme that seemed to come through was the care for animals. I mean, going to the Dolphin Research Center with uh, Mandy Rodriguez, who says it basically the dolphins saved his life and how the dolphins and people, you know, help each other there. That was just magical. And then going to the turtle hospital in Marathon where uh, they're rescuing turtles and saving them. And, you know, when they're, if it's possible to release them back into the ocean, they do. And, and if not, they, they have a home there for life. And again, we were just talking about the key deer, of course, which are protected. And then the care for the environment, the, the, uh, care for the, re, re, the keys are, you know, innovators in coral reef restoration, helping the whole world. And, and I think that, um, that innovation, is another aspect the feel you feel and i just i i can i'll never forget when when we were driving was driving and and, and my and i'd never met jason and i'd never met each other before uh doing this week long road trip together and i remember just driving but i knew in after 5 minutes i knew we were you know he's such a pro that we were we were going to really hit it off but um it was just one moment when we were on the overseas highway and 
gorgeous view of of the multicolored blue water and the sky and the islands ahead of you and it's just like you feel anything is possible and i and i think that's what people feel when they move to the keys or when they go to the keys and and we learned about all these kinds of innovation like uh well flagler of course with the overseas railroad and then uh and then we went to the diving museum um in um Oh, let's see what town is that in? The uh, it's in, that's an that's an that's an Isla Morada. Isla Morada, the history of diving museum, and all sorts of innovations about diving that came from the Florida Keys, and you know helped diving all over the world. And then, of course, the the literary, the, the, the all of the arts, art and and film, and and all the literary people that were drawn to Key West. Hemingway and Tennessee Williams and uh, uh, all and Elizabeth Bishop. I, I, I just think that the keys are, are a place where you know people feel they can do anything. And then, and then the other, of course, really I think theme that is maybe most important: the whole concept of one human family, which started in Key West and then Monroe County adopted it as their official motto and official philosophy, uh, one human family where everyone is welcome. doesn't matter if you're gay or straight. It doesn't matter what color you are, uh, where you're from, what ethnicity, what religion. Everyone is welcome. And and it doesn't matter. It's a little bit like Alaska in that it, it doesn't matter what you did on the mainland uh, or what you were, who you were, or what car you drove. It only matters what you do here, and 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 just welcoming everybody. So, I just think the keys have a lot of lessons for the rest of the country and the rest of the world. Did you know that family travel has the incredible power to shape our children's worldview and create lasting memories? In a world where representation is often lacking, it's essential for our children to see themselves reflected in every aspect of life, including the stories we tell about travel. Introducing the Travel of Legacy podcast, where we're rewriting the script by celebrating the diverse voices of black and brown family travelers. Each episode of Travel of Legacy is a testament to the enriching power and the joy of exploration in black and brown communities. So journey with us and subscribe now. Well, there's a lot you packed in there. Um, and there's certainly, uh, you know, it's what is it, 122 miles, Rick, something like that from Lake Surprise to Key West. But I want to go back to something you touched on because this was kind of a watershed moment for me. And Rick, we've talked about it before on the podcast, um, the Turtle Hospital, which is yes. this old hotel, super cool place. Um, and it is really a turtle rescue and rehab hospital where they do welcome visitors in. And yes. uh, they have. Um, an old swimming pool that is essentially almost crumbling into Florida Bay, but they've got it set up and shored up and they have different turtles in different state of rehab, but they also go out when people see a turtle in distress, they call the turtle hospital and the turtle ambulance goes out. Um, and, and it's a really cool thing to see, but my, my takeaway from that, Rick, uh, so many of the turtles there, can you guess Rick, what the 
reason they might be there was? They're sick or maybe they get in, in caught in nets, perhaps. I don't know. What is it? Plastic. Oh, oh, yeah. So this was when we talked about my um, let's get rid of single use plastic obsession that it has now become. It is um, seeing these turtles um, and they have x-rays. I mean, it's a very. I don't know that I would bring a small child there because some of what you see is very hard. You see these turtles who are essentially now malformed. You see turtles. Um, you see x-rays of turtles that didn't make it. Uh, oh. Sea turtles. One of the chief things with sea turtles, the takeaway is, say, a plastic bag, like your your Publix bag. And we know from previous episodes that Publix is never going to sponsor this podcast because they are in fact the <laughs> devil. Um, but the Publix plastic bags, or Winn Dixie, or any place that has those plastic shopping bags, they blow out of your trash can, end up in a body of water. If there's a sea turtle, that plastic can look a lot like their main source of food, which is jellyfish. And the problem is when they eat the plastic, it doesn't just pass through their system like a jellyfish does. It it actually blocks up their digestion. They can starve to death. I mean, they, they, they will find the turtle hospital, find these turtles that are just ridiculously underweight that have these blockages. And their whole mission is not to bring tourists in and give them turtle shows, because in fact, there will not be a turtle show. And with good reason, but their whole mission is to try and educate the public, but also first and foremost, keep these turtles alive and let them have healthy lives that are actually enjoy that they still have some quality of life, re-releasing them. Um, and it's it's just this really thing, you, Elizabeth, you touched on it about the care for the environment. It's one of these things that if you're driving through and you don't know anything, you'll see this happy green sign. And you might pull over and you will walk out transformed because it is not fancy. It is not Disney World or Universal or SeaWorld or anything like that. It is a bare bones operation and they are working their, their butts off just for this one thing. In fact, um, I mentioned the other thing I think is so cool about it. It's an old hotel they're working out of. A lot of the turtle biologists, which I know is probably not the right word, uh, who work there they actually get to stay in some of the um, old hotel rooms. Those are their living quarters while they're there. And so it's this 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 kind of all-in effort for this one um, marine animal, uh, several species of which, um, you know, in Florida, we have anything from the leatherbacks who can weigh almost half a ton to the little tiny Kemp's Ridley, the green, anything like that. And it's all they care about. And then, you know, it, it's just this really powerful tribute to to how much when you when you are down in the keys whether you're visiting for the first time whether you live here whether you visit every year um how you can't live on this little chain of islands without understanding that everything is intimately connected with with everything else it's just it's not possible because there's nothing else i mean you can't really escape the keys you can get into air conditioning Um, (laughs) about it that's so true so true and that becomes very very i mean again that was one of the themes that we that we kept hearing over and over again another thing the resilience the resilience of the keys because you know as you know the economies there have been through so many booms and busts but somehow they manage to reinvent themselves. And if one thing goes down, okay, we'll try something else. So the resilience and also 
Yes, just what you said, the carefree, that is, it's really palpable when you when you talk to the people who live there and work there. Absolutely. I mean, we talked to, um, we've, we've had Brad Bertelli on a few times and people love Brad. He has the uh, Florida Keys History podcast and he, he lives in the middle of Isla Mirada. And uh, even little questions I have, even if it's not about the keys, I can call him. I called him one night. I said, hey, I'm driving through Isla Mirada. All the traffic lights are red or all the street lights are red. What's up with that? He's like, oh, well, that's simple. He goes, it's so it doesn't confuse nesting turtles. <gasps> and, you know, I live I live in a seaside community and I live along a chain of islands that are 22 miles on the Gulf. And none of our cities have done that. We still have our regular old LED lights that are white or yellow. So, I mean, it's everybody in the Keys seems, and I'm sure there are exceptions to everything. Um, you're connected to everything and they seem hyper aware of it. But I mean, yes. you talked to Elizabeth about you know the hurricanes. The Keys has a history of hurricanes and um, it's really uh, humbling. I think in a way that you can't be humbled if you don't live with hurricanes. Now, imagine you live in the Florida Keys and, you know, there's really only one way off. I mean, there are planes. Mm -hmm. There are actually two bridges on and off. But US-1 is a one lane road or two lane road most of the way. And, you know, the joke is waiting for a hurricane is like being stopped by a turtle because, Mm. you know, it's coming. Um, but you also know, at least in the Keys and a lot of our low-lying coastal areas, mostly in the Keys because of that um, compressed way of escaping, there's really nothing you can do about it. And I think that that relationship humbles you a little bit because you don't have the same hubris that we do in other places of man over nature. You know, there's there's no denying anything here i mean rick i think there are two bodies of fresh water in the florida keys you probably know better than i am there's lake surprise and there is something called blue hole on big pine key i think those are the only two spring type things and i'm not even going to call them springs um so you're here you're stranded you you have a limited number of days before you die without fresh water i mean that's at the core of everything and I think it really does um, change how the people live here. And not all of them, because I've seen some pretty ostentatious McMansions down here. Um, <laughs> and I, I always marvel. We were looking again at the real estate listings this week. And I'm like, but why? It's going to be underwater. Why? <laughs> um, you know, it's it's one of those places that I think is more beneficial to visit than it is to move to as much as I would love to be down here all the time. I don't think I could do it. I think I'm not ready to be that humbled by wilderness. So um, anyway, I'm talking a lot and I'm not giving you a chance to say anything, Rick. Um, <laughs> Rick, are you there? I'm here. I'm here. And, you know, this is good because it's been 13 years since I've been to the Keys. My Mom turned 70, and that was her wish. And we didn't make it all the way down to Key West because the weather was bad and the traffic was worse. So, but we have this wonderful time. There was a, a bird refuge in one of the, the keys, you know, closer to the peninsula. And I can't remember what it was called. 
But my mom was so brave because she got buckets of fish and fed the pelicans and the pelicans were very aggressive. So I just have this vivid memory of my mother at 70 years old, you know, just grabbing all these gross you know, buckets of nasty fish and being attacked by pelicans and having the best time and laughing somewhere. I have video of it because it, you know, there are those moments in life where you can see just pure joy radiating out of a person. And my mom was so in the element and I have such a good memory. And I don't know why it's been so long since I've been to the Keys because that was such a great time. Part of it is, and maybe Elizabeth, you know, this, uh, about this is, I've always been interested in the the boat that leaves out of Fort Myers or Naples, I think it is, and and you can take a boat to the Keys and avoid a lot of the traffic. Do you know anything about that? I don't, but that's a, what a great idea. What a great way to get to the Keys. My gosh. Kathy, yeah. do you so, know about that? So so yes. And and not necessarily. It depends. <laughs> so the boat goes from Fort Myers okay. to Key West. Okay. So if you want to go to Key West and you don't have a tight schedule about when you get back um, and you don't want to leave Key West, you're fine. Because here's the thing. The boat leaves from Fort Myers and it goes down to Key West. Right. Um, it is a weather-dependent trip. So if you're thinking, I'm going to go down there for two days and be back at work Monday, you better make really sure that the seas cooperate. Now, I don't think that happens a lot. Um the other thing that's always, always, always a detriment for me is that the boat leaves Fort Myers at some ridiculously early hour, which means, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then you add that, which I realize this is this is sacrilege, um, because in the next book there is even a chapter about the keys. Key West is not my favorite key. Key West is wonderful for the history. It has some wonderful dining experiences. But I can take about 37 seconds of the Duval crawl before I want to punch somebody. <laughs> because, um, so on, on Duval, there is um, there used to be a bar where you could um, you could watch a woman. I think it might have been a strip club. I'm not sure. Um, she could put matches in her nipples and light them on fire the matches um not the not the nipples and right next to that um right next to that was um and the name escapes me this is what i get for talking off the cuff uh was the cuban heritage house where uh they pl they plan the 10-year war i mean it's like this cultural embassy for cuba right next door and i watch people go down and they stop in these bars and they buy these t-shirts and they don't even bother to go into, um, oh, what are, is they, are you talking about the San Carlos Institute? San Carlos Institute. Thank you. Thank you. It's right in the middle of all this and yeah. it's the best thing on Duval street It is, and nobody pays any attention and it just drives me crazy. So perhaps someone with more of a spirit of tolerance than I could appreciate <laughs> these grittier parts of Key West. But I I whenever I go to Key West, I I essentially think of Ernest Hemingway as new history. So I tend to get a little amped up when I see some of the things. Now that said, when we're done with this podcast, I am going down to Key West. I'm going down there because it is the only T Mobile in the Florida Keys and I need to get something. But I will stop at um, Baby's Coffee. I, or I'm sorry, not Baby's Coffee, Cuban Coffee Queen. I will um, 
I will definitely, you know, make a lap around the outer edge of the island. I will do those things. And we'll be back down there again this week because we're going to go to El Cibonet. But we go to the El Cibonet is this phenomenal Cuban restaurant. But we don't go to the one in Key West. We go one island up to Stock Island. So um, that is my rant about why you should spend more time on Big Pine Key. Uh, with apologies to Newman PR and the uh, Florida Keys uh, travel website, which I should definitely mention as fla-keys.com. Um, I've, I've benefited greatly from, from some media trips from them in the past. And by the way, they know the keys inside and out. So, I mean, Elizabeth, I have no doubt you are showing people part of the keys that they would never see otherwise. I mean, you've got some great episodes um, and uh, I really, I do think that um, there's a lot to see in the keys that people don't realize is there. I feel like they go for scuba diving, fishing, Key West, and there's just so much more. You so. mentioned the San Carlos Institute, and one of my favorite episodes is the episode with Rafael Peñalver, who is the president of the San Carlos Institute. And it is an amazing thing. Uh, he calls it the Shrine of Cuba. Uh, yeah. And, it, and uh, it, it's it's wonderful for exhibits and events. And and then another of my favorite episodes was with, um, was uh, about a Bahama village. Um, and um, the, uh, the whole story of, uh, uh, because that is where the Bahamian uh, people uh, settled. Uh, the Black Bahamian uh, is a Black Bahamian uh, neighborhood. And we went, we interviewed Clayton Lopez, who is the uh, Key West City Commissioner for the district that includes Bahama Village. And it was like, I mean, it was, it, it was my, it was our favorite part of Key West because it was a, a real neighborhood, you know, and and we'd walk down the street with Clayton Lopez. We were like walking with a celebrity. Everybody, cars would cars would go by. Everybody would wave. And people came over and talk, and you know, everybody talked to him. It it was uh, those are two of my favorite episodes. Those two remarkable, uh, remarkable people. But yes, we really tried to go beyond the you know the obvious things that everybody knows about and everybody's heard of to find the really kind of the soul of the keys. Well, it, it's one of those things that I suspect the locals protect very dearly, especially off Key West. It's um, it's one thing to depend on tourism, which I believe in, in many ways the, these uh, this part of Monroe County does. I'm not so sure about the other part of Monroe County, um, but the keys part, yes. Um, it's one thing to depend on it. But, um, you know, it, it sometimes reminds me when, when you get to see a part of the keys that isn't so heavily advertised, almost like just peeling back um, the curtain and seeing everybody working kind of behind the scenes. So it's always nice when we as visitors have the chance to see a little bit of that earthiness, some of that real day to day stuff, like like the woman who came in I'm, again at the big pine key visitor center uh and i pulled in and the woman was simply i think pulling out the sandwich board and the two key deer just walked by her i mean that's that's <laughs> not a moment you can not a moment you can orchestrate for for tourists if you try you have to kind of just be in the right place and to me that's part of the magic of the keys 
and also no Python jet, I don't believe. So exciting. What did you say? I no don't one? believe they have any Python jet. Um, they, found, <laughs> they found one a couple of years ago that had been hit by a car coming over the bridge, but um, we don't have any of the pythons that have been, have uh, kind of taken over some of the more um, everglazy parts of the state. Uh, and last week, Rick and I talked about uh, exotic invasives in Florida. And down here, as we mentioned, I think the only exotic invasive we have is uh, humans, right? And um, <laughs> I think I think they have a lot of lionfish too swimming around there. I would guess they do. And and if you listen to uh, the April seventeenth issue episode, sorry, of Florida Keys Traveler, um, Elizabeth will tell you where you can go eat lionfish. Wow! Absolutely. Oh yes. Yes. Oh yes. It's. Uh, Is it yeah. true that they're that they're deadly if prepared incorrectly, or is that an urban legend? No, that's an, er, well, no, that's pretty much an urban legend. There are, their spines are poisonous. So you have to be careful when you prepare them. So the only person that might be in danger would be the chef, but they know how to do it. And they, they take the spines off. No, but once it's cooked, no, it's, there's no danger. There's no danger to eat it. And it's the, uh, it's at the Castaway Waterfront Restaurant and Sushi Bar in Marathon. And uh, we interviewed the owner, John Mirabella, and the chef, Bo Hammett. And uh, yes, the, it, uh, John Mirabella goes, I mean, he goes um, spearfishing for lionfish. Uh, it's amazing. So did you did you eat the lionfish when you were there? No, we didn't have a chance to to, to taste it, but they he he they it's supposed to taste very good. Kathy, can you can you try some while you're there and report back? Because I'm curious as to what it tastes like. I will. We are we are camping at Bahia Honda State Park, and that is, as you know, right over the Seven Mile Bridge from Marathon. And um, I will head up there this week because, fun story. Um, I had ordered, I had ordered something from Amazon or not Amazon from Joffrey's Coffee, which is one of my favorite coffee roasters and i had ordered some coffee and they i don't know if it shipped late or what but it ended up at the little cottages we were staying at up until yesterday we were about an hour away from them and the manager called us and says you have a shipment here so <laughs> i have to drive, i have to drive back up to get my coffee um because there's really nothing i won't do for joffrey's coffee and um when I do, I will convince my husband we need to try lionfish. He's up for any type of fish. I'm hopeful for both of our sakes that it actually tastes like fish. I am not one for fish that doesn't taste like anything. So I'm hopeful it has a really full, um, fishy, you know you're eating fish, not this might be chicken fish. Like <laughs> no, I like I think, fish. Yeah, I think he said it tasted like, like hogfish, but I haven't had a chance to taste it. Like that. So, yeah, they're, um, they're not very big, are they? I mean, there's. I I don't think they're very big, and they're apparently quite beautiful. I've seen pictures yes. of them. Yes. They're gorgeous with all they're gorgeous with all those spines and everything. And but the other thing about, I think the reason you don't want to just take a boat to Key West is you would miss driving that amazing highway. And 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 I completely agree with Kathy that you do not want to leave. I mean, Key West is amazing, but you do not. I mean, I'm frankly, our favorite part of the keys was were the upper and middle and lower keys. The the less you know, the less visited. That just the, you the more that you can make those just side of the road discoveries. You do not want to miss just 
that amazing drive and stopping all along the way at the different keys. Don't you think, don't you think guys? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing when you fly into Key West or you take a boat and you go, it's almost like teleporting, right? You go Mm -hmm. and you're in, you're in Tampa Bay, you're in Fort Myers, you're in Orlando, and then you're in Key West. But when you, um, when you drive, yeah. Um, I, I call it the Oolite slide because I drive um, from the west coast of Florida and we take 75 down to about the, um, the exit 101. And we get on 41 and we drive across the Tamiami Trail and it's it's like you're sliding off the edge of North America and it's just um, gradations, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, okay, so unfortunately, one of the last things you see is a Publix on 41. They built it right on Swampland. Um, and then you slide into, you see airboat rides, you see the Minnesuke Village, you see Clive Butcher. Um, and by the time you come out the other side of that and you drive down Chrome Avenue, which is um, Redlands area, part of Homestead, it's really... Everglades East um, with some farms and you feel like you're already in a little bit of a different world. And then through Florida city, we always use the card sound bridge um, because it's just so beautiful. Um, There's this moment when you pass Alabama Jacks and you're at the top of the card sound bridge and it is um, Dorothy, you're not in Kansas anymore. And it's this thing that has this buildup. And I always say it's when I see the water again, it's just like something switches. And I think when you fly into or boat into, you miss that um, process. And for me, that process of arriving in the Keys is part of what makes it magical. You know, it's just um, things really are different here. You have, you have, you have little tiny deer, you have iguanas everywhere, you have the shimmering um, teal and aqua and gin clear water with crocodiles in it. And it's just amazing. I, I just, there's nothing else like it. And you really have to see what you go through to get there. It's not just a plane ride. It is a change in latitude. I swear to God, I'm not going to say a change in attitude, um, <laughs> but it really is. You can see the change in latitude as you go and you can see how the wilderness changes around you and make no mistake. You could be sitting, you know, in a Winn-Dixie parking lot in the Florida Keys, but take away your cell phone, your credit card and bottled water and you are in the wilderness. And that's, that's part of what I think the appeal is for me so much. And your mileage may vary. <laughs> no, I I couldn't agree more, Kathy. So, um, Rick, you have to get back down there. I do, Especially since you're such a history buff, and this is a perfect, um, this is a perfect time with the 200th anniversary to, you know, rediscover the the keys. Yeah, that's one of the things I love about the keys, and 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 I do remember some of the the historic places I went to in Key West. You know that ancient aquarium that's there i remember so one time i went and this would have been in the other millennia millennium uh i was working at an attraction at the time in orlando and they gave us it's called a green sheet and basically you could get in anything free so we had a free boat cruise we got that go on the conch train for free we got in the aquarium so it was like having carte blanche to get in everything free including um 
the the all those historic homes you talked about. So mm. I did them all, and it was probably the best trip I ever had there because usually I went there just to when I was dating to impress um, young women because they always loved the Keys, and that was a great getaway. But from Orlando, it's a seven-hour drive, and that's kind of tough. And and you know the thing is. Um, I'm I'm looking for more and more things I can do without having to get in the car because um, I'm the one who has to do the driving and it's becoming the older I get the more stressful I'm getting so I'm I'm looking at is there places where you can just ride bikes to get around because that would or kayak and you know get out of the car and really enjoy the keys boating and things like that oh totally and one of the things you should do is. Uh, go to Indian Key. You mentioned okay. uh, Brad Bertelli. Uh, Brad Bertelli was our guide. You kayak from, um, mm, uh, I forget. You, you kayak know. from Robbie's. 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 Uh, Robbie's uh, yes, Robbie's of Isla Mirada, but it's on, I forget the name of the island that it's on. But, um, but you kayak from there. It's about a half hour kayak trip to Indian Key. And then the whole Indian Key is such an interesting history itself. It's it's the only ghost town in the Florida Keys, as Brad will tell you. And that's I believe that's our second episode is the kayak trip to Indian Key. But it's fascinating. They had this whole city there and they had a hotel and 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 people would come down from New York even and go, you know, it'd be like a take the boat down from New York to stay at this hotel. And I, it was, it's just fascinating. That's my speed right there. That's, yeah. that's the kind of stuff I'd love to do. That sounds terrific. Yeah. You would love that. Well, I'll tell you what, Rick, um, you come down, we're down for a week in November. <laughs> Y'all come down and stay. And, um, Mr. Brad Bertelli, I know him. I know, I know him. He's, he's a good guy. He, um, he, as you know, he's been on the podcast and I'm pretty sure we could twist his arm to, um, <laughs> to take us out there and tape an episode of the podcast on Indian key, um, because I think it is definitely your type of place. Um, and, uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's beautiful. By the way, I have to say this, he's probably going to kill me. Um, if you listen to Brad on this podcast before, if you listen to him on Elizabeth's podcast, if you go to Robbie's two days a week, there is a, there's the big bar at the restaurant, but there's also a small bar by the boat launch. Sometimes he is bartending there. So oh. don't don't tell him I told you, but go to a little <laughs> bar at Robbie's, hang out with Brad, and uh, have him uh, tell you some fun Keys history story stories because he um he really does a great job. And Indian Key is definitely his um his no one knows more about Indian Key than he does. Absolutely sure. no one. He's just amazing and being out there with him, it's great. But you know, come on down, Rick. We're back. Like I said, the week in November, <laughs> we can do Thanksgiving on the beach. Um, it'll be fun, and we can we can do another episode about this. And maybe if you're lucky, I can show you a crocodile. Ooh! As Are long as as long as we're not close to it, <laughs> <laughs> they're just misunderstood creatures. They're not like <laughs> creatures. <It's> okay. <laughs> All right, Elizabeth, uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's always good to see more Florida podcasts out there that are not celebrating um, the least of Florida. I like it when we talk about all the things that are great with Florida, and your podcast certainly does that, more so than mine does, because I 
tend to have big feelings about things. I don't know if anybody <laughs> listening has noticed. Um, but uh, what's what's next? What's your next episode about the podcast? What is it? Tell us. Tell our listeners. Okay, so the episode that will drop. Uh, well, I can't. So I'm not sure when this is going to air. So, but we have. This I can. Gonna I, air today. Oh, it's going to air today. Well, tomorrow's episode is about. Um, oh, it's one of my favorite things to eat, and that is stone crab claws. And it's about. Uh, it, it's our. It's part two of our episode about. Florida Keys cuisine. First one focused more on key lime pie, uh, but tomorrow's episode will focus on um, on seafood and stone crab claws because it's a, it's a seafood that you can eat without feeling guilty because the crab grows another claw. Oh, yeah! I did not know oh, that. Yeah, uh, yeah. They t- they and typically they only take the one claw. And then, uh, because it, it, it grows another claw, and then you know, come back a few years later and take another claw. It's a defensive mechanism. They can, when they fight, they have a, a way of like dislocating their claw and letting it go, so that they don't get killed. They can live to fight another day. Interesting. Yeah. And so, yummy. <laughs> and and yummy. Ah, oh, they are so delicious. Yeah. They're uh seasonal for part of the year and they are definitely much prized yes uh which rick um you probably have never tasted stone crab have you no i've been to joe's stone crab in in miami beach i didn't think you ate meat it's seafood i eat seafood (laughs) i'm pescatarian comes as a big surprise to you. oh yeah i eat seafood yeah although I that's ch- that's fair you've never seen meatloaf made with fish so technically not me that's fair. yeah no no i had shrimp tacos last night for dinner <laughs> well we're doing shrimp and rotel for dinner tonight one of our favorite camping foods we get white rice uh key west pinks and a can of rotel and uh it's really good it's like a poor man's etouffee or something i'm not sure what but it's delicious you're living large you're living the florida dream right now uh it's my whole life it's my whole life with very few exceptions and fixing the ones that are the exceptions so Hmm. on that note i must drive to key west i'm sorry to leave you both but i must ever onward and uh folks as i as i get my cuban coffee queen for the drive home i will think of you both fondly and um Thanks, Elizabeth, for being on the podcast. Rick, always a pleasure. And folks, check out our show notes. We have links to Elizabeth's podcast. Um, We have links to things we mentioned. We have pictures of key deer. It's all wonderful. And um, that's about it. I Drive carefully. Watch out for those little key deer. Look, the worst thing I can imagine, the only thing worse I can imagine for Kathy Celestri, Florida author, who speaks so much about wildlife to hit a key deer would be as if I hit a panther. So I can assure <laughs> you, I will be driving about five miles an hour through the Florida keys until I get out of the key West area, key, key deer area area. <laughs> well, Talk to you, you next week. Me. Thank you. All right, everybody have a great week. We'll see you next time on the Florida spectacular.